the Sunday Wire for the final segment. I'm joined by our special guest from Albion. His name, well, we haven't heard from him for a while, but we're glad he's rejoined us. His name is Basil Valentine. He's going to get us up to speed on a number of things uh, on both sides of the pond. Basil, how are, how are you doing? Great to be with you, Patrick. Great to have you back, Basil. It's great to have you back. I mean, I don't get invited anymore. You have all these new cool guests. <laughs> no, I know you've been busy, so I didn't. I haven't been bothering you. I know the holidays are a tenuous time, uh, <laughs> as is the summer, because I know that you're you festivaling uh, over the summer as well. So I try. I try not to bother you during those peak social seasons. Right. Right. Well, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Um, so uh, I thought we'd we'd get right started. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the Brexit uh, issue in a moment, but uh, a little bit later. But obviously, the U.S. elections is that's uh, dominating the British press as well. I'm sure uh, the uh, how, how the British finding Donald Trump are they are they amused? Uh, some are. Um, they're actually largely very ignorant about him and what he says. Although the American Apprentice is broadcast over here. And, of course, he also courted some controversy with the construction of a golf course in a particularly beautiful and remote part of northern Scotland by the sea. I don't think they have any idea about uh, things like the fact that, as you mentioned at the top of the program, uh, he has said he will be an honest broker in Israel-Palestine, or the fact that, essentially, he supports universal health care. Only the more outlandish statements, just such as banning Muslims from entering the country for a period or building the wall with Mexico, tend to make the headlines. But people are starting to wake up to the fact that he is looking increasingly likely to become the nominee. Uh, he's now the heavy favourite to become the nominee uh, with the bookmakers. Wait, wait, hold on, price. hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. Before we talk about the odds, we've got to play our theme tune, Day at the Races with Basil Valentine. Hit it. Of Frank Sinatra. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather is clear, can do, can do, can do, can do. this guy says the horse, says the horse can, can do, do. If okay, so how are the these horses looking in the U.S. race? What are the odd makers saying about Trump? What are they saying about Rubio and Cruz? Uh, well, Trump, the best price in the village is 11 to 4, which for those not familiar with fractional odds means if you have 40 bucks on uh, Donald Trump and he becomes the next president of the United States, you'll win another 110. Okay. So 40 bucks to win 110, but he is also as short as two to one which is obviously uh, the same 40 bucks will nearly win you 80 wow, depending on which bookmaker you look at exactly well that's because people are increasingly thinking he's going to become the nominee and in a two-horse race he therefore stands an excellent chance right. the heavy favorite overall is hillary clinton who is long odds on the best price you can get is six to four on so if you have 60 bucks on you will win another 40, making a total of 100 for your return. But she is as short as 7 to 4 on. You know, you'd have to have 70 bucks on to win another 40. God. So uh, the bookies, obviously, therefore, you can say expect Hillary Clinton to, to be the next president. Her odds have shortened in the last few days with her thumping win in South Carolina, which sadly appears to signal the end of the Sanders path to the nomination in 
all practicality. What do you think, Patrick? Well, I think I think it it definitely it's it's a definite harbinger. But I think the Sanders. Uh, uh, the, the burn will be felt right the way to the Democratic National Convention. There will be some uh, so, some jostling on the floor of the DNC uh, this summer. Uh, Sanders will arrive with a lot of delegates, a lot of delegates. Okay, because as as re- listeners may or may not be aware, uh, the Democratic Party proportional. Uh, representation with regards to delegates throughout the 50 states, whereas the Republicans from Super Tuesday, you have all these winner-take-all states, basically. So, uh, but then on the Democrat side, we have the super delegates, which balances out the egalitarian aspects of their primary system with a establishment chokehold uh, over who gets chosen in the end. Hillary obviously has the huge edge there, but um, I, I'm so impressed with the Bernie Sanders campaign and the amount of young people. Basil, I'm hanging out at, like, uh, I'm in the bookstore. I hear these teenagers behind me saying, oh, who are you voting for? And this girl says, well, I was thinking about Hillary. And then two others say, no, no, she's not cool. Bernie's where you want to be. I mean, these are like 18, 19-year-olds thinking Bernie is where you want to be. That's what they're saying. And I well, think that's the one demographic that he won in, in in South Carolina. Even though he got thumped by forty points, he was ahead in the among the eighteen to twenty nines. Way so, ahead. Uh, that's the way ahead. Way so, ahead. Uh, yeah. Because they don't want business as usual. Hillary is the business as usual candidate. You know. Yeah, and and Bernie's yeah. got a, he he resonates. He's a very passionate, very clear speaker. I'm very impressed with his. Oratory. Absolutely. I mean, you one can't help thinking if. Uh, if somebody with his message was just a little bit younger, a little bit sexier, a little bit more appealing as a candidate in other ways, then, well, inevitably, if you're standing there saying that the billionaire class have all the money, why can't the rest of us have some? You're going to garner huge popular, or as they say, populist support. It is inevitable. (laughs) In spite of how much money is being thrust by those said billionaires into the pockets of your main rival. And then on the other side, Basil, you have the opposite. The inverse of that is Donald Trump over there. That populist is saying instead of, um, you know, the billionaires need to pay their fair share, Trump's saying, hey, elect me if you want to be like me, basically, right? So it's amazing. Yes, essentially he's got uh, the sort of alpha male thing going on. I've seen people interview just as they're going to vote him because they like him, you know, and because he's a deal maker, he gets things done. He's been obviously enormously successful in his own business life, uh, whereas you've got these plastic full-time politicians in Cruz and Rubio, um, as Donald pointed out, he's actually hired people who all they've ever done in their adult life is appears is uh, try to satisfy their own lust for power. You know, um, Cruz uh, is now regarded by the bookmakers as a no-hoper. If you think he's going to be the next president of the United States, you can <laughs> win 150 times your money over here in the UK. Really? Ten, yes, 10 bucks will bring you back $1,500. Wow. Oh, I think that's worth a $10 bet. Just in case, you know, maybe like Cruz and, Ruby, or Cruz and Trump or, you know, get, I don't know, like get hit by an asteroid or something. Well, at the moment, and of course this is what is irritating the uh, Republican establishment, is that there are still five candidates in it. John Kasich is, uh, seems to be determined to hang on until the Midwest votes, hoping that he can pick up Michigan, Ohio, possibly even Pennsylvania, places like this, close to uh, you know, where he was governor. So uh, 
he isn't going anywhere for the time being. And then, of course, the other two are so egotistical, Cruz and Rubio, uh, and despise each other so much, uh, that they, it appears they're both going to keep going. Ben Carson is purely making up the numbers now. So, uh, as you know, the, the Republican establishment are absolutely freaking out about the possibility of a Trump candidacy. Literally uh, because freaking he isn't out. A neocon. He, you know, he isn't a neocon, and uh, he's his own man. They can't control him. It's as simple as that. So, uh, the- This is one of the, the things that appeals to people most, is that they know he's his own man. He hasn't taken money from special interest groups or Wall Street. And therefore, uh, one way or another, maybe misguided, but it, he is at least going to attempt to act in the American national interest. And, and I think this is what the this is why he's confounded all the media so-called experts and all the political operators is for that that very fact which you just mentioned there that people know he's not taking money from special interests so they're almost willing in a way Basil to kind of um, you know forego any concerns regarding uh, you know Trump as a you know whether they agree on him on a hundred percent of the issues they're they're not caring about that they'll 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 be happy with agreeing with them on half or 60 percent of the things he's saying Uh, because because they're thinking well i'd rather have somebody who's not bought and paid for by special interests than somebody who is who's saying all the right things but i know is is not going to be able to do or do anything that they're promising basically right yes exactly so that's Uh, that's the dynamic he's, he's uh his positions are you know, not easily defined in terms of where to put him on the left-right spectrum. Um, and in fact, he was being attacked from the right endlessly by Cruz and Rubio in the latest debate. Yeah, for not, for, for, being- for not being conservative enough, right? And, right. and w- what they don't get, Basil, is that Americans really don't... Ke- I mean, Republicans shouldn't care about who's, con- who's the most conservative. All they, they should care about is winning. And that's all Donald Trump cares about is winning. And so the Republican Party is destined by their divisions and splits uh, once again to be the losers party because of this insistence to sort of toe the 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 Bible line or the, uh, you know, this line or that line or, you know, call the liberal conservative divide. To tread that, and the reality is, you can't win U.S. mainstream elections. You can't win general elections by being purist. It's, it's a, you will you lose. Well, and the so, question is, yeah. well, what, what does conservative mean? I mean, Ron Paul, yeah. the traditional yeah. conservative in the last election, you know, yeah. he means non-intervention in uh, foreign countries. It means generally being opposed to immigration. It doesn't mean uh, rapid change. It's the slow evolution of institutions and society. Whereas the uh, the neocons, Cruz and Rubio, for that matter, just want to sort of tear up the rule book. I mean. Having said that, of course, the, the the real neocon candidate in this election is Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. As, as evidenced by her recent endorsement by Robert Kagan. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Kagan, Kagan, the arch neocon, the project for a new American century, foreign policy initiative, Robert Kagan, the husband of Victoria Newland. okay? That's right. The wicked witch of the West. So this is, this is who's endorsing Hillary Clinton. Course. Then the the hardest core neocons that should give you an indication of where Hillary stands on issues of Israel and issues of the Middle East. And as Jeremy Salt, our previous guest, aptly pointed out, that uh, Hillary Clinton was 
the lead architect or the driving force behind the Friends of Syria, uh, which is really the sort of yes. the game plan of the yes. uh, total destruction of Syria that we're witnessing today. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, Hillary, I think he's a weak candidate. People don't trust her. Um, anybody who does any research about the Clintons uh, can uncover, you know, some rather disturbing facts. As you know, uh, Roger Stone has been touting his new book, Clinton's War on Women, uh, which, uh, you know, goes into detail about Bill's various affairs and how Hillary has been complicit in trying to cover them up and silence the various women involved. You know? Yep. So, yep. Uh, plus, of course, she's got her email scandal. Then there's the transcripts of the speeches to uh, Goldman Sachs and Wall Street, uh, which she refuses to disclose. Um, so, you know, she's going to stumble her way over the line if indeed the bookmakers are correct and she does become the next president. Yeah, it'll be a blood. It'll be a sort of really endorsement at all. The only thing sort of going for her really in terms of electability is the fact that she's a woman uh, um, and uh, will therefore get a sort of sympathetic vote on that basis. But, of course, a lot of women also like voting for strong men that they find attractive, like Donald Trump. You know, exactly. So this I the, don't think it's yeah. a foregone conclusion. Of course, we've also got to take into account the whole rigging factor when it comes to American elections. Yeah. You know, how uh, you know, Bush stole 2000 and 2004. Sure. You know? yeah, um, Diebold or whoever's had, running the voting machines. All that stuff, exactly, because yeah. he had Karl Rove on his side. It wouldn't surprise me if Karl Rove ended up working for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Probably <No>. right. <laughs> Well, she's she's Israel's strongest candidate that I can see right now. This is it. This is it. So back to the uh, back to the odds. Marco Rubio is a nine to one chance. Nine to, to one to become the next president. Wow. I mean, I don't see how anybody can take him seriously. He's wet behind the ears. He gave that robotic performance when attacked by Chris Christie uh, a couple of weeks ago. That seems to have been forgotten. Yeah, li listen to this Rubio clip. This is uh, audio clip 10. Um, roll this real quick. This is uh, Rubio basically trying to wrestle with the pig in the mud, which is Donald Trump, uh, bringing it down a few notches. Is this good for him or not? Listen. And the time has come for you. I know some of your friends have bought into this. Listen, friends, don't let friends vote for con artists. It is time to open our eyes. It is time to open our eyes. We cannot allow a con artist to get access to the nuclear codes of the United States of America. <laughs> it's a big fraud. And it's time okay. to open our eyes, and we will in the days and weeks to come. I'm confident of it. Now, what happens oh when you attack God. Donald... He goes on okay. Twitter. Okay, listen. It just goes on and on. I mean, Basil, it's just it's out of control. It's it's. There's no more. The airs and graces are gone now. Out he the has window. Zero, oh, it's getting really rough out there. He has zero gravitas, Rubio. You know, very you know, little experience of the real world. You know, he reminds me. A, doesn't he remind you of that kid in school that used to sort of do nasty things to you, and then then as soon as the teacher turns around after you've hit him and then he starts crying and says, Oh, he just hit me. He's like a really devilish kind of devious character. Don't you get the, f the feeling I of, I agree. I think so. I think he's got the whole Napoleon complex about being short. You know, this is why he wants to dominate everybody. You know, 
He's a species of psychopath, and so is Ted Cruz, for that matter. Oh, God, Ted Cruz is completely psychopathic. Um, that, that's the, just my Ted, psychological... Ted Cruz, by the way, with the, in the betting, you can now get as big as 5050 to 1 for Cruz to become the nominee. Mm. 150 to 1 to, to become president, and 50 to 1 Cruz to become the nominee. The same price, John Kasich... Marco Rubio, 7-2. to two. So 20 bucks to win another 70 for Rubio to be the nominee. And the Donald is 4-1 to one on. So they, if you have 40 bucks on Donald to be the nominee, you're only going to win another 10. In wow. other words, it is increasingly, according to the bookmakers, a stone-cold certainty. Well, they're looking at the polls. They're, I mean, Basil, they're looking at the poll data, which clearly shows... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Trump edges Cruz in Texas. The reason I say this is because Dallas is very pro-Trump. Um, and right. that's, you know, as a stronghold. Uh, I think he's going to give Ted a good run. Even if Ted wins uh, Texas, I don't think he'll net that will not necessarily translate into any momentum into any other states. And here's why, because Texas has always been regarded as a kind of a standalone in terms of its, uh, uh, the, the political uh, hive mind of Texas is pretty much a standalone when set against the rest of the United States. So um, if, if, if Cruz, I, I just don't see his poll numbers really challenging in any of the other Super Tuesday states. He might take, take Texas, but, but here's okay. Maybe this, he might take Arkansas next door, but, you know, Trump will win probably 10 or 12 states on Super Tuesday, and uh, which is, after all, in 48 hours' time. You know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if he does so, then, well, that's pretty much game over. You know, I mean, I know there's still a long way to go, but the momentum will be absolutely irresistible. Well, I think no, Super, stage, I think Super Tuesday is so March 15th. So as a result, 15th. they're throwing, uh, I thought it was March 3rd. Anyway. Okay, <laughs> sure. I thought it was the 15th. Maybe I'm wrong. Got it. No, there's more on the 15th for the Democrats, but there's a big one this coming Tuesday for the Republicans. Okay, then. Okay. Uh, which is why it's getting, which is why they really are getting down and dirty. Uh, it's a cage fight now. Today, Marco Rubio sharply criticized Trump as unelectable over his failure that morning to rebuke Dr. David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan. But he, he already disavowed David Duke. He did it on CNN. What's Rubio? I know what he did. Disavow him enough, as far as Rubio. But <laughs> okay. the extraordinary thing about the extraordinary thing about that, I mean, you know, first of all, as Duke often says, look, I left the clan forty years ago and was elected. <laughs> has been, he's been an elected representative in the Louisiana State Legislature since then. But yeah. people are not bound to forget their past if it's the KKK, yeah. unless your name is Robert Byrd, the longest-serving senator in U.S. history. Oh yes, or Strom, or Strom Thurmond. Or Strom Thurmond. And uh, a story, of course, decidedly unpicked up by the mainstream media uh, was um, Anonymous's outing of four currently serving U.S. senators, according to their hacking of Ku Klux Klan membership lists. <laughs> Tom Tillis, North Carolina, John Cornyn of Texas, Dan Coates of Indiana, and Johnny Isaacson of Georgia are all, according to Anonymous, currently members of the KKK. Wow. Currently serving senators. Yeah, this was, you know, this didn't really fly, this story. It came out in November, you know. So, obviously, any association with the KKK is uh, political suicide 
in the current climate. Uh, in the I, I heard they're still an organization, but they've they, they've transitioned out of politics and they're just running sort of uh, fetish nights, basically like parties. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, there's another scandal potentially with those senators, right? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I, it's one of those stories that we we all know, Patrick. That it, you know what the mainstream media picks up and runs with to, to some extent comes into public consciousness. And if it doesn't, well, of course, all these senators have denied that they're members. It's an anonymous hack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what is that? You know what, what you know what is there to say? But um, l- l- listen to this. Um, I don't think it'll affect Trump, as you said. He totally defies political gravity or all logic. People like him. The more he's attacked, the more they seem to like him, you know. Yeah. So listen to this Trump clip. Tell me what you make of this. This is from the debates uh, the other night on uh, CNN. This is audio clip three. This is Trump on Gaddafi. Listen to this and tell me what you make of this. It's extraordinary, actually. Audio clip three. I was in favor of Syria. He said I was in favor of Libya. I was. I never discussed that subject. I was in favor of Libya. We would be so much better off if Gaddafi were in charge right now. If these politicians went to the beach and didn't do a thing, and we had Saddam Hussein, and if we had Gaddafi in charge, instead of having terrorism all over the place, would be at least they killed terrorists, all right? And I'm not saying they were good because they were bad. They were really bad. But we don't know what we're getting. You look at Libya right now. ISIS, as we speak, is taking over their oil. As we speak, it's a total mess. We would have been better off if the politicians took a day off instead of going into war. Well, it's you know absolutely bang on. What can you say? You know, and how who can argue with that? Who can argue with that? It's really refreshing to hear somebody say it. So I say, I say to you, Basil, who can argue with that? And guess who can argue with that? Apparently, Marco Rubio can argue with that. Listen to Rubio's response to what he said about Libya. And then we'll talk about that. Audio clip number eight. Here's Marco Rubio, what he thinks happened in Libya. Listen to this. Yeah, a couple points. Uh, number one, on the Libya situation, we didn't topple Gaddafi. The Libyan people toppled Gaddafi. The only choice before America that this president had to make is, does it happen quickly or does it take a long time? And I argued if it takes a long time, you're going to have rebel forces emerge like these radical Islamists to take advantage of the vacuum. And that's what happened. That's where the term lead from behind came. And that's the foreign policy that apparently Senator Cruz appears to agree with. On John Kerry, yeah, you know why? Because every day John Kerry wasn't appointed was another day Hillary Clinton was still in charge of the State Department. And she was absolutely horrible. I couldn't imagine that they were going to find somebody even worse than her. But this president never ceases to amazed and the last point i would make on South- okay so the so rubio claims that the libyan people rose up so his narrative is identical to hillary clinton's narrative who he says was a terrible secretary of state they're both reading from the same script which is that nato did did not bomb libya but actually they did bomb libya and the u.s did all most of the air sorties so what planet i mean so marco rubio is either completely out to lunch Either he's a pathological sociopathic liar, um, or he is um, uh, well one of those two. Which one is it? I mean, is it, is A or B a good option there? Well, it just seems to advocate chaos and as much violence as possible. You know, there doesn't really seem to be any path to peace anywhere with people like him. I, I don't, other than the sort of total worldwide U.S. hegemony. I mean, they really have departed people like him from. All the traditional diplomatic channels by which international relations acted over the last, you know, since the Second World War, you know, um, and just uh, 
carry on in this sort of ad hoc way. Uh, do you know what I mean, Patrick? It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he goes along, you know. And he's talking about, you know, Donald Trump being in charge of the nuclear codes. Trump's uh, saying he wants peace in the Middle East. I mean, actually, I'd rather have him in him with the hands on the nuclear codes than Rubio. And John Kasich, this guy, he's been in Congress since uh, the begin since since Moses parted the Red Seas. He, he claims giving, to, Rubio the co- giving Rubio the codes would be like giving a four-year-old child a loaded revolver and telling him to play with it. Yeah, and an a- and your ATM card. So, and so, yeah. so John Kasich is uh, who everyone says. Oh, he's grounded, and although no one will vote for him, they think he's somehow uh, the most grounded. So he has no understanding at all of anything going on in the world. He's completely clueless. Okay, and this is yeah. the most senior. Uh, legislator of all of those candidates. This gives you this. This is what shit we're in, basically, in America. Audio clip number nine. Here's Kasich. He wants to basically shoot up everybody and everything, and just just basically, we need to take over militarily the whole planet. Listen to this audio clip number nine. I want to. I, I want to point out something here today that is it's so critically important and about how the Obama administration has really done such a a ridiculous, feckless job here in foreign policy. First of all, we should have been supporting the rebels long ago. They could have taken Assad out, and because we did nothing, the Russians are now in, and they're sitting in the catbird seat. We should have been helping them. I'm thankful that the aid trucks are finally getting into Syria, but the fact is, had we had acted, we would have solved that problem. Now, let's talk about Libya. Libya didn't go down because it was some people revolution. Hillary Clinton, Samantha Power, and all these other people convinced the president to undermine Gaddafi. They undermined him, and now they have created a cesspool in Libya. And let me just say to you, we have ISIS beginning to get a foothold in Libya. We're going to have to deal with it. There are not many major cities in Libya. They're on the coast. It's mostly it's desert, but it's a problem. Then we have ISIS in, in Syria, and we have ISIS in Iraq. Because this administration has not had a strong and firm foreign policy, we are going to inherit. One of us here is going to inherit a total mess, right. and we're going to have to work our way out of it. Including the need to arm the Ukrainians. They have been ignored, and we need to help them Let's as continue. well and assert ourselves as America. Let's continue the questioning on ISIS. Okay, so uh, his report card on that little diatribe. So he says we didn't help the rebels. Well, I give uh, him a mark for saying I give him a mark for saying that uh, Hillary and persuaded Obama to un- undermine Gaddafi. Oh yeah, I give I give him a mark for that. I give him a, a, an A on that one. But he, I give yeah. him an F. He claims that we didn't help the rebels. All of the guns that the rebels have are U.S. weapons, practically. All the tow missiles, all the cash, all the CIA operatives, and the covert logistical operatives on the ground of of course we've been backing the rebels since the beginning this guy's completely out of the loop and he wants to be president i laugh and then the other well, thing he's not going to be the nominee he's i know not going to be and then so he says we need to arm he said state. he said we need to arm the ukrainians um oh, we've actually is. allocated hundreds of millions of dollars and sent lethal aid to the ukraine probably via nato so we've we've been arming the ukrainians What's this guy talking about? I mean, it's just, they, they just bounce around. It's like they cherry-pick. These people make John Kerry, uh, you know, look like the world's greatest ever diplomat. To be yeah, I know, yeah. No, they, they make him look like a genius. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at the current polls, Kasich is trailing Trump in Ohio, 31 to 27 and a half. Wow. And 
seems that if he can't win his home state, then it's time to call it over. Uh, he, yeah. thinks, <laughs> he thinks Trump is probably going to run the table on Tuesday. Oh, but like Rubio, he suggested he will force a brokered convention if he has to. Yeah. Now, I think Rubio and Cruz are going to keep going and are going to try and prevent Trump from getting enough delegates to secure the nomination. In other words, Trump will have more delegates than anybody else. But unless he's got more than half, then it goes to the horse trading. Yeah. Now, if that happens and they try and get draft somebody else in, you know, a Mitt Romney or a Paul Ryan or a God knows who, you know, Michael Bloomberg has even been suggested. Um, then I think Trump would run as a third party can. I think he'd then say, sod you, I was, you know, I want more delegates than anybody else. But yeah. <clears throat> so I'll spoil party, pal. Do you know what I mean? But I think Trump will get the nomination, but that uh, you'll see a sort of reformation of the of the Republican Party. Trump apparently has got hundreds and thousands of volunteers and uh, a ground game that's coming together from sort of grassroots yeah. activism like yep. no other, you yep. know. So if the neocons and uh, the Republican establishment walk away from him, I think he'll just say, so to you, you know. Yeah. No, you're right. He has developed a definitely he will have a political machine uh, after this campaign like no other. Like you said, uh, Ron Paul would probably be a close second in terms of campaign for liberty, what he built during his uh, campaigning and what he did with the money uh, that was donated afterwards, turned it into a series of institutions who are advocating for some very good things. Um, So he's kept the mission going. Now, what the, the problem with the brokered convention is, and I, I wrote an article before Christmas saying uh, Hillary Clinton's secret weapon, Donald Trump, and I didn't mean that in a sense to blame Trump, but that he will be used as the sort of wedge that will fracture the Republican Party. And once again, they will go into the November election divided and they will lose. And this has been time and time yes. again we've seen this. It's almost like the, uh, you know, you look at especially if they really wanted to win, they would just say, right, the American people overwhelmingly, Donald Trump has tapped into something here. We don't understand it. We don't yes, know exactly. what it is, but let's win. So, but instead exactly. of doing that, it's they do the opposite, which is let's lose. You know, it's incredible. Well, believe it or not, you could even see a situation after the election where if Trump did become president, uh, he was deadlocked all over all sorts of issues with a Republican-controlled Congress. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, He's well, going to have all these senators, all these senators and congressmen who who can't stand the sight of him and who disagree with him on more than half the issues. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Okay, and this this is if you look at the patterns of the last eight years in terms of the by elections, it goes like this. Okay, the reason the Republicans seized control of the House and the Senate in the last by election was because of this Obama's opinion polls. And approval ratings were at an all-time low. That was the natural reaction. It got out all the Republican base. So they mobilized. If Trump wins the nomination and wins, even wins the nomination, Basil, just forget about November, um, just gets the nomination. It will mobilize the Democratic base. To, 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 they will have a rallying cry. He'll be the lightning rod. He'll be like the ISIS 
of American Ooh. politics. They will have them out in droves. They will take this Congress and they will take all available seats in the Senate. And then you will have the, the, the gridlock, which we have now, but similar, the inverse of Obama and a Republican-controlled Congress. It will just be an inverse of that. But, but I'll tell you, if that was the case... I, Donald Trump is, if he's a businessman, he's a, he's an executive. He'll actually want to get things done. So he will do deals. He will deal. And if the Republicans can't get used to this or like this, they're just going to become again. They'll go into the next decade as the party of the lo- of losers. And it's it's, right. it's their destiny to be losers. And they're led by people like Glenn Beck and ideologues like uh, Ted Cruz, quoting Bible verses and. Just making up things when he talks. I mean, these people are nuts. They're absolutely bonkers. But yeah. the, so they're yeah. guaranteeing to the, the, all these freaks on the right will guarantee. Um, and I'm talking about the Becks, the Cruises, and there's some other people who I may or may not want to mention who attach themselves to candidates before throw the, throwing them under the bus before the election. But the, all these people are like deadly. You know, they're they're there to divide the right, divide any conservative. Um, zeitgeist at all and to just destroy it basically and and they do it time and time again i think that's just, i think that's what we're going to see this summer and then they'll they'll justify it by saying well we we just can't have trump in and we're, we're willing to sacrifice uh, this election and we'll come back in 2020 uh and we'll reassert conservatism or whatever Bull, that's bullshit that, that basil i mean unbelievable stuff cruz's latest attack on trump is that Donald is trying to hide his connections to the mafia. Oh, yeah, the, the mafia, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't build hotels in Las Vegas unless you have some mob connections. Not, not only that, unless you have the Teamsters yeah. or, or the labor unions. I mean, he, he, Trump has to deal with them as well, you know. Exactly. Ted I mean, Cruz has never had to speak to anybody in any union ever. No. So he can't he can't run the country. It's impossible. These people don't know how to... Trump actually he pr- could probably work both sides of the aisle better than anybody the Republican oh, yeah, Party absolutely. has ever fielded. Absolutely, but the question is: Does you know do both sides of the aisle actually work want to work together to do anything? I mean, with Mitch yeah. McConnell, I mean, I've never he's just Mister No, isn't he? You know, whatever it is, I'm reminds me of the uh, terrific uh, Groucho Marx song from Horse Feathers. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, uh, I I don't know who Mitch McConnell would actually work with, you know. Well, it's what's interesting is a- after Hillary um, trounced Bernie last night, or was it yesterday in South Carolina? So I saw her messaging change. She went, she shifted from primary mode into general election mode, and then she said, uh, "Some people out there say that America has, uh, ne- it, it, you know, make America great again." She's all, "I'm arguing that." America has never stopped being great, you know. So she's she's taking on Donald Trump's slogan, saying that yes. she's so she's going for hey the status quo is okay. Let's keep keep me in and we'll keep it together like we have with Obama. That's her sales pitch. Donald Trump's the opposite. He's saying the the establishment is corrupted, the system, and I am right. I'm going to fix it. So they're 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 literally taking the two opposite ends of that yes. argument. Yes, that's a, a very good observation, Patrick. So, so that that's going to. Re- I mean, if you lay that out in a general election, that's a very divisive choice there. 
you know, which way you're going to go. Are you going for the establishment or against the establishment? That's yeah. going to be a real neck and neck. You could split that right down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Trump ended up picking up some Bernie supporters. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what's amazing is that, you know, I'll play this, this Howard Dean clip. I don't know if, Hesher, you've got that on, on cue, but listen to this. This is Howard Dean, 2004, Iowa caucuses. He was this, the front runner. He was right. winning. And, and then he made this victory speech, and he yelled <laughs> well, he out. Got beat, you know, he got beaten there, but, and this was a sort of uh, defiant rally cry that or went some, terribly wrong. But he had the he had the polls on his side. Um, he had the polls on his side, but he'd lost Iowa. Uh, yeah, in exactly. Surprise, that was the that was the thing. Even though he was still doing well in in uh, so national. L- listen to the clip. We'll, we'll roll this, Howard Dean. Listen to this. This got him killed, basically, in terms of electability. Roll it. You know yeah. something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. And we're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> so, so Actually, that- I- I'm slightly surprised that that was the end of his campaign. That was the, it was the shrill scream. All, I agree, but aren't all Americans shrill, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you're not. I don't know how they, they, one little scream, and they destroyed his political career. I mean, isn't it incredible? That was only uh, 10 years ago, or 12 years ago, Basil. Okay, now what I'm saying here is this. What has happened to America that now you could say or do anything and you can't, the, the press won't be able to destroy you. So now Hillary Clinton last week starts barking like a dog. Okay. And I thought to, and I thought to myself, this is the Howard Dean moment, or it should be anyway. But then I'm like, no, we're in 2016. So anything no, nobody goes. Cares nobody cares. No one cares. Roll, roll the, roll Hillary. Listen to this. We need, we need to get that dog and follow, follow him around. And every time they say these things, like, oh, you know, the Great Recession was caused by too much regulation. Oh, 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 you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so if that doesn't just get you, you know, doesn't sink your campaign, I mean, what can? Imagine the soundbite potential there. I mean, just bark, bark, bark all the time. I mean, yeah, not anymore. No. Not anymore. Is is it because the baseline? Well, it's for- totally, it, I mean, I know every election is different, but this one really is very different from anything that we've seen before. You know. Yeah. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll make sure we uh, mix that barking into a new uh, advert sound clip on ACR. Yeah. It's like we came, we saw, he died. Arr, 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 arr. Oh like God! That. Yes. So yes. anyway, you can look forward to that and many others. So, but anyway, that's that's all for this week, Basil. We're going to wrap it up, but uh, it's so great to connect with you again. And I'm uh, just going to fill you in on the betting on Brexit. Then. Oh, Brexit, yes. Uh, if you think we will vote to leave the European Union, your forty bucks will win you another ninety. And if you think we'll vote to stay, uh, if you stake one hundred and ten. You'll win another 40. So long odds on. 11 to 4 on that we stay. And 9 to 4 against that we leave. So in other words, the bookies think we'll stay. Yeah, I, I think we're going to stay too. I think it's all it's all dog and pony. Um, it's just- and in the final analysis, uh, for one very good reason and one very good reason only, uh, I would come out on side and say, uh, I'd rather we stayed. 
if we had a decent government in Britain, then I'd be happy to leave. But uh, with the present lot in charge, the worst government in living memory by a long chalk, <laughs> Europe does actually provide some sort of safeguard to things like human rights and disabled. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's a funny way of looking at it, but I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, you're right. <laughs> There's the, this is like the most authoritarian, Stasi-like government in... Uh, more, absolutely. More of that another time. I mean, the latest thing uh, we could... We perhaps we'll talk about this next week is uh, they're going to withdraw government funding from all academic institutions that criticise the government. Oh, isn't that so interesting? We're, down the tur- we're going down the turkey route in Britain. Going down the turkey route. Wow. It, Get the turkey baster out. Your academic studies, critical of government policy, no more money for you. Oh, isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Which well, is almost the definition of totalitarianism. So, you know, and where do you draw the line with what's critical government? Can you be critical of the military? Can you be critical of uh, uh, various question. industries? Can you be critical of uh, GMOs? Good question. And this, of course, fracking? Comes hard on, this comes hard on the heels of outlawing councils, uh, local councils, from boycotting goods from countries that they uh, don't approve of. So quite a few councils recently have been boyc- part of the BDS movement, yeah. have been boycotting Israeli products. You're not even going to be allowed to boycott products from the settlements in the West Bank even though they're technically, of course, illegal under international law. So it's going to be illegal to uphold the law and boycott the illegal. Oh, my goodness. That's not good. That, that, that's a very dark turn in terms of uh, uh, democratic evolution. I think it's uh, going actually... Re- that's regressive. That's regressive. It's going so, backwards. Uh, we're heading rapidly into a totalitarian state here. Do you know who Marco Rubio reminds me of? It just came to me. Go on. He reminds me of a young Miranda. Uh, you know who yes. I'm talking about, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anthony Linton Blair, Tony Blair. Same fake smile, same de- uh, de- the evil eyes. He reminds me. He he is same same absolutely bought and paid for as well. You know. He is Marco Rubio. Is Tony Blair? He's a young Blair, and so with Rubio, you'll get the same as you got with Blair. Pretty pretty certain there. Um, Completely, completely devious. But uh, Benny, before we go as well, there's a, a great article up on the website by Stuart J. Hooper. It's about the Trident, uh, Stop Trident, Jeremy Corbyn leads the protest. Imagine that, the, the labor leader gets on the stump at Trafalgar Square. When have we seen that before, Basil, um, protesting well, against Trident? Tony ben, absolutely. Tony Ben used to, of course, but... Um I think that's incredible. Great report there. Uh, there might be a vi- there's a video I look as well. To it. I mean, we're talking about a government who are now finding excuses for taking thirty pounds a week away from people confined to wheelchairs and suffering from cancer, the most disabled and disadvantaged. This is in order to encourage them to find work. Listen, Trident, Trident. All you have to do is push the sub out there. Say there's weapons on it. You don't even need to have. You could put a exactly. car. It could be a plastic sub. It doesn't Absolutely. matter. They'll and never Trident use nuclear weapons. Uh, Trident's going to cost what a probably 150 billion pounds or something. And, and no one's going to. They're not going to use nuclear weapons. They didn't use them in well, Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria, so they're not going to use them. So forget it. You don't need a deterrent. The psychopathic society, you know, where you spend hundreds of billions of pounds on weapons that can never be used and yet uh, don't look after your own citizens. I think people are are beginning to figure it out. 
I hope so, Patrick. People beginning to figure it out. So go check out Stuart J. Hooper. And then today after the show, we're going to premiere a documentary uh, at 21st Century Wire there. It's called uh, Meningo. It's it's the Ironclad Island. Great film. We're going to do this a Sunday screening every Sunday. We're going to release and show a documentary film, some of them new, some of them old. Uh, this one premiered on uh, RT Documentary Channel uh, this past week so or the week before. So we're going to have that screening up there at uh, the 21st Century. So look for that. There's some Sunday uh, curated by our editorial team, different documentary film each week, Sunday screening after the completion of the Sunday Wire. So you want to check that out. Basil Valentine, thank you so much. We salute, thank you, Patrick. We salute you over there uh, in Britannia here on this side of the Atlantic. So we're glad that you're there, and we, we really hope that uh, we hope... Um, we're waiting for your book we'll to come out. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, we want, we're waiting for that book to come out, Basil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't worry about that. That'll be later this year. So there it is. Thank you to our guest, Jeremy Salt, and, of course, Sean Helton as well in the first segment. If you missed any of the live broadcast of this special extended show, we've gone a little bit over time today, you can go back and listen to the archive. It should be up in the next few minutes after the show. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. And also, big shout-out to our guys in the chat. Um, down at uh, Day de Dallas, Elisa, Jow, Randy J, Spore, 26, Stevie C, Miles of Truth, and B Header. Thanks, guys, for keeping it real in the ACR chat room. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen, signing out. Take care. We came, we saw, he died. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know?